ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I've come to a stop at the end of a gravel road. There's an electric farm gate in front of me. It says do not enter um, private property, no unauthorised entry. I'm in the hinterland of Queensland's Sunshine Coast, in the shadow of the Glasshouse Mountains. There's a winding track up ahead, surrounded by native forest. The woman who lives here, behind this farm gate, is known as a doula. That's someone who offers support to mothers during labour, but generally has no medical training. In July last year, she put up a post online. It said, I have debated sharing this birth story because I don't want to scare people. But when we enter into the birth space as expected parents or birth workers, we must accept with full certainty that death is a part of life and that sometimes, tragically, it is a part of birth. The post includes pictures of a lifeless baby cradled in hospital by his bereaved parents. Birth will never be completely free of death, the doula writes in the post. And if we come to terms with that fact, it makes heartbreaking tragedy easier to bear. The reason I'm outside the doula's property is because the mother laboured in a van here for days before going into hospital. I've been told her baby's death may have been avoidable, so I want to get the doula's account of what happened. We're choosing not to name the doula. I've had a couple of chats with her over the phone. She said no to an interview, but now more questions have come up in our investigation that I'd really like to get her thoughts on. So I dial her number. She answers the phone. Hi, how are you going? Um, it's Charlotte King. We spoke a bit earlier about... Um, I'm from the ABC. I asked her if she'd be up for speaking to me face-to-face. Yeah, I'm up here at the moment and... I've just got a bit more of a picture about what happened. It's a hard no. She tells me she knows we want to put the spotlight on somebody and it's not going to be her. I end the call and drive back towards the highway. In her Instagram post, the doula shares details about the mother's labour and includes photos of a young woman in a birth pool. The doula tells her followers the baby's position was posterior or facing backwards. She says she'd worked to manipulate the baby around. We started doing spinning babies manoeuvres, willing baby to turn. The manoeuvre doesn't work. And after several days in labour, the couple make the decision to go to hospital. A baby boy is born by emergency caesarean, but dies a short time later. At 1.22pm, he breathed his final breath and their hearts broke completely. This has been a devastating, bonding, life-shaping experience for all of us. But the online post doesn't tell the whole story. And it leaves out the fact that someone else was involved. It was 7.30 in the morning. And I was getting my children ready for school. This is Ruby. She's a registered midwife and works in private practice assisting home births on the Sunshine Coast. 
She has thousands of hours of medical training. We're not using her real name either. And we were doing our last minute running around making sure everyone had shoes on, socks on, teeth brushed, hair a mess, all clean or whatever. (laughs) And I got a text message. Mm -hmm. And the message was from a local doula who was supporting a woman in the community. It was asking me to come and do an assessment on a woman who had been contracting and thought her waters had broken. The text message is from the doula, the one behind the farm gate. She's with a client who says she's been in labour since Saturday. It's now Wednesday. She really doesn't want to go to hospital and she's asking if a private midwife can come check her dilation and try to figure out baby's position. We think baby's head isn't in an ideal position. Ruby doesn't overthink it. I thought, well, yeah, I can provide that woman with that information. She wants to help and sends a text back saying she should be there by nine-ish. Well, then I took my kids to school, picked up some things that I needed, and I went out to the place, the home. Ruby drives through the winding hinterland, past state forest and dairy farms, to the property. She parks in front of a house at the end of a long gravel driveway, beside a van that's been converted into a mobile home. The couple and the doula are inside and look up as she arrives. Ruby introduces herself to the mother. And she was walking around, mobilising well, um, spoke to me. She did appear to be contracting. And she did say the main thing she was looking for were uh, position of the baby and to see where she was up to in her labour. Ruby checks the woman and tells her the baby is posterior, facing backwards. Uh, So we chatted about that, about some different strategies to try. Ruby asks if she can check the baby's heart rate. And over that minute, baby's heart rate was beautiful, normal, within normal limits. So no real concern with baby's heart rate. But she tells the parents that this doesn't show the whole picture and is just a moment in time. The mother is further along in labour than she'd expected, so Ruby suggests they go to hospital if they want a more complete assessment. They declined at that point and were happy to continue at home. And I said, if baby's not born in the next few hours, there may be another reason why baby's not born and at that point that it should be reassessed at the hospital. I assumed that baby would be born within the next three to four hours. She leaves the property, leaving the mother and doula behind, and goes back to her busy day. I didn't hear anything back from them and I had assumed that baby was born and it was all good. Ruby's a private midwife. She's only been engaged to do an antenatal assessment. She's given her recommendations and assumes they'll be followed and that the woman will go to hospital if needed. The baby's not in immediate danger. So as far as Ruby's aware, her involvement is over. That night, she's getting into bed when she gets another text message. And at that point, I was shocked. I actually did not expect her to still be in labour. The contractions have slowed down and the doula says the mother is feeling much more relaxed but hasn't noticed any position change in the baby. The doula says they're waiting for labour to start again. The plan to birth at home hasn't changed. It's now more than 10 hours since Ruby checked on the mother and baby. I was actually feeling really nervous because that was 
a really long time from when I had seen them in the morning and I had expected that baby to be born many hours before. There was no way to tell if that baby was still coping or not. Ruby sends a text back. I said that my recommendation definitely would be to present now to hospital because if the clinical picture changes and if baby's not born, there is a reason why. The mother is not involved in these text exchanges. The messages are between Ruby and the doula, and the doula says she's unsure how to pass on the midwife's advice. It's hard to know what to say because I don't want to scare her. I want her to trust her intuition, but I also don't want to not say something if there's true cause for concern. Oh, I, I was shocked. I thought, well, you can just just tell them the way I've said it. It's not that hard. You don't have to bring fear. You just need to pass on a message from me. And I said, well, tell them exactly what I've said word for word and tell them that it's come from me. It's simple as far as I was concerned. The doula comes back to Ruby and says she's passed on the information to the father. He's going to basically tell her that if she wants to do this at home, she needs to push through and get up and moving. The doula also says the parents are listening to the baby's heart rate with a Doppler. It's a device which requires medical training to be used properly. There are very specific things that we look for when listening to a baby's heart rate. And if you don't understand the physiology of that, you will not really understand what you're looking for to be able to effectively say that that baby's well-being is fine. She's gobsmacked by the message. Because I felt like that was their response to me saying baby needed to be further monitored. However, at the time, I honestly, in my mind, I thought if they received that message of my concern, that they would hear it. At that point, Ruby thinks she's done all she can and she assumes the advice has been passed on, so she goes to sleep. Early the next morning, I received another message to say that They had presented to hospital a significant time after my last communication with them and that baby was born. The text reveals the mother laboured until four in the morning before a decision was made to go to hospital, eight hours after Ruby had advised them to go. I was told the baby was born by an emergency caesarean and there had been thick meconium and baby was in the nursery. Meconium is a baby's first poo. In her text, the doula says the baby had had the substance all through his airways and had needed significant resuscitation. Within hours of being born, the baby boy is dead. I cried. I just felt so much grief for that poor baby. I almost felt like it just wasn't fair And I was confused. I didn't understand how it happened. And I was angry because I didn't understand why they would call me if they were not going to use my information and take my advice. I think that was a really hard thing for me to process. And I don't know that I will ever truly understand that. In her final text, the doula warned Ruby the police would be in touch. 
I'm so sorry. I don't think it's anything serious. They just said it's routine procedure when a baby dies under unusual circumstances, like a free birth. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Ruby's gone over what happened in her mind so many times to try and figure out where it all went wrong. I guess the biggest questions I have is, was the recommendation I provided passed on adequately? Like, was it passed on word for word? If it was passed on, and they did choose that because it is their choice to listen to advice or not, why? You know, what What was it that was the driving force behind birthing at home as opposed to the hospital? It's a good question. Ruby's advice was so clear. They needed to go to hospital. Why were they hesitating? To answer that, we need to go a little deeper because the doula involved in this story is no ordinary doula. She's part of a bigger global uprising of women who are wrestling back control of the way they birth. This is an underground rebellion that shuns hospital systems and it's taking off like wildfire. This is a free birth. The video is one of hundreds posted to Instagram. It shows a mum in a birth pool supported by her husband and the baby's grandma. There's no doctor or midwife in the room. It's a girl. It's Oh my gosh. You did it. The internet's exploding with stories of women birthing like this, and they make it sound intoxicating. Free births about birthing undisturbed, away from hospital timeframes and interference, even in high-risk pregnancies. Some women free birth with twins. I just looked at my belly and I was like, there's another one in there. And he was <sighs> a bit a bit blue and a bit like not there, but my primal instinct was grab him, suck his mouth, flip him over and just rub him. And the moment I did that, he came in. Other babies have come out bottom first or breech. And then his legs plopped out and his arms came out and and then his little head, it was not little, it was huge, (laughs) came out with this audible pop. (laughs) And there are reasons women are getting behind it. 97% of Australian women give birth in hospital, and around a third are traumatised by the process, with record intervention rates for procedures like inductions and caesareans. Many women are leaving the hospital feeling shell-shocked. A New South Wales parliamentary inquiry has heard mounting evidence of lifelong psychological and physical injuries. Welcome to the second hearing of the Select Committee on Birth Trauma. I felt broken, both physically and psychologically. As a result, my family and I are continuing to live with the trauma associated with losing our son. 
It felt like my worth was reduced to a number on a scale and I was given no other options. My recommendations is training in communication and basic care and compassion in every hospital. More women are choosing to home birth. That's where the birth is attended by two registered midwives who operate under strict national guidelines and the health regulator, APRA. But it's expensive and it's not always an option due to cost, availability or risk profile. And not every state has a publicly funded home birth program. A free birth has no medical professionals at all and the doulas who attend them are unregistered and unregulated. It's completely legal and touted as the ultimate alternative, the only way to experience a true physiological birth. And when these women are doing that, there's these fires being lit everywhere and this inferno is just coming. If there was a ground zero for this movement in Australia, it could be Queensland's Sunshine Coast. It's home to cardio drumming circles, chakra sound healing and sensual embodied dance workshops. And increasingly, a new breed of birth worker, the free birth doula or birth keeper. They say women already know how to birth. They just need to do the inner work. Unravelling that conditioning of outsourcing responsibility for their body Mm. and for themselves and taking that back. The loudest prophets are politically radicalised and use Instagram and podcasts to spread opposition to the medical system. I'm just done with these perpetrators getting away with this shit. Yeah. It is sanctioned violence and abuse against women and these perpetrators are protected and I'm so over it. Like, heads need to start rolling. Registered midwives who are qualified to assist women who give birth at home are also seen as the enemy. And I think that if you're a registered midwife, you are complicit in and contributing to the harm of women. Um, So that's really what I think. Many of these free birth doulas get their training through online courses that promote free birth as a kind of bodily rebellion. So we are the revolution. Like you can, the revolution is in your home. It's in your body, right? Women are always, it's not unique to now, women are always ready to come home to themselves. In Queensland, in-person self-styled doula training costs up to $5,000 per student. Once qualified, doulas and birth keepers charge between two dollars and $3,000 to attend a free birth. Some describe the cash payment as an energy exchange. Their services sound a bit like midwifery and are described as antenatal and birth support. But they work outside the medical system. The doula behind the farm gate is part of this crowd. She calls herself a free birth doula and charges around $2,000 to attend a free birth. She believes women almost always know how to birth if left undisturbed. Weeks after the baby boy died last year, Ruby, the midwife who was called for advice, realised she needed help. Even though I only had a small interaction, it deeply affected me. And I think that was the first time when I actually thought, what could this mean for me? as a midwife, as a, as a professional. Where does this leave me? So she reached out to some fellow midwives for support. One of them was Mary Ziegler. She was very unsure about whether she was going to get into trouble because we all said that 
we probably would not have gone and visited. Mary's a veteran private midwife with 30 years' experience and hundreds of home births under her belt. And we all discussed that grey area and we have decided we will not be offering opinions in that respect to any doulas who ring and ask for it. Free birth doulas. Any free birth doulas. We're not going because of what's happened to this midwife. When I meet Mary, she's just returned from an afternoon home birth. With the parents' permission, she shows me a video of the birth on her phone. The mother is sitting in a pool in her kitchen and births the baby by herself. Stunning textbook birth. First time mum. Did we interfere? No. Didn't do a thing. She did it all with her partner. Didn't have to do anything. But, you know, we've, we've got births that there's no way that happens. This was a home birth, which means it was attended by two registered midwives who have the clinical knowledge to recognise and respond to an emergency. But today, nothing was needed. Mary works exclusively in home births. Her practice is holistic. She encourages parents to sing to their babies when they're born. But she also has pharmaceutical drugs and oxygen on hand. 30 years and over 1,500 babies, I have not lost a baby. I have not lost a mother. And I am not a high interventionist. I believe that women have the power to birth. And I believe that women have the innate knowledge and intuition to birth beautifully. Mary says about 80 women give birth at home through her business every year. And on average, only six end up in hospital. So not many of our women get into trouble. But... If, say, those six women a year didn't transfer, I wouldn't like to see the outcome. During COVID, Mary says a record number of women wanted to birth at home to avoid the hospital mandates. Midwives had to turn some of them away. So we had, in fact, all of us had call after call after call and we couldn't take them all. And so where'd they go? Free birthed. And the anti-medical system feeling became stronger and stronger and stronger. She's worried women who choose to give birth at home with a doula aren't always aware of the difference between home birth and free birth. On the one hand, I think some women don't realise that they are getting untrained supporters. I think there's an extreme misconception that if you employ a doula that you are getting someone who has some medical knowledge. And she says it pains her to see midwives unfairly caught up in an ideological war. And on the other hand, there'll be the faction that just simply want nothing to do with midwives and associate midwives to be with the system, whether we are or whether we're not. So what are, what are we, are we creating a tier? You know, oh, we're not quite a midwife. We don't want to be a midwife because of the connotations that some of the population have got around midwives. So we'll be the goodies, we'll be the doulas, but we'll have this half-baked qualification and we'll know stuff. We won't know the whole picture because we're not doing the training. We're doing a weekend course, for God's sakes. Mary says the baby's death last year capped off a series of catastrophic free birth incidents over the past 18 months. 
So there's a baby with cerebral palsy, lack of oxygen. We've the baby that's died. We've a mother that's died. In fact, we've had several babies that have died. And as the midwife up in the hinterland will know, they say, we see the woman pregnant and we do not see them with a pram. So babies are dying. And they don't need to. Because if there had been someone there that was medically trained, then they'd have been out of there. Preventable deaths and injuries do happen in hospital through medical negligence. I've reported on them. Sometimes they happen at home as well, with a midwife present. But it's very rare for a baby to die in Australia late in pregnancy or after being born. For every thousand live births, there's less than three baby deaths. There's currently no public data available on planned free births in Australia or their outcomes. It happens underground, and even when emergencies or deaths occur, there's rarely a public record of it. This investigation started as a story about why women are choosing free birth. But over the course of our work, the outcomes we've found have been impossible to ignore. We've confirmed 10 catastrophic incidents in southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales linked to free birth since 2022. That includes seven baby deaths. Five of those baby deaths involved first-time mothers, and two of the mothers ended up in intensive care themselves. We've also confirmed there were two serious brain injuries connected to free births, resulting in lifelong disabilities for the babies. A mother's death after a free birth in 2022 and the deaths of twins during a free birth earlier this month are the only incidents among these to have made national news. Those deaths are still before the coroner. In the majority of the cases involving deaths or permanent injuries, we've confirmed a free birth door or birth keeper has been present. Do you think you'll see more deaths? Yep, absolutely. Unless someone, somewhere, takes a rein on them. If you're going to do all of this outside the scope of your practice, they have to be regulated. They have to be accountable. Because they've gone past just being a support person. When people look for an authority on doulas, they often end up calling Renee Adair. I've had calls from the coroner's office. I've had calls from detectives, police, hospitals, midwives. She founded the Australian Doula College almost 20 years ago and designed the only accredited doula course in the country. They just want to call and say, hey, this has happened. Are you aware that a doula was present? And uh, it's, it's not always easy for me to answer because I wasn't there. It's never really our doulas or they're not doulas that are on our, in our community. So there's nothing I can do. There's no accountability there. For Renee, a doula's scope is clear. The differences, the main differences between a doula and a midwife is predominantly a doula does nothing medical. We do not do vaginal examinations. We don't listen into your baby's heart rate. So uh, very different roles, clearly. And a lot of midwives today, unfortunately, don't have the time and the opportunity to be with women in the same way that they were. Um, and 
because of the way that the system is set up. So doulas really fill that gap, which is, you know, obviously fantastic and really important. Early on, Renee set up a code of conduct which prevents doulas from attending free births. It means her doulas only attend births that have a midwife or doctor present. For me, that was really about protecting our doulas um, and the college protecting the doulas from getting into any kind of hot water, frankly. You know, I've been at all kinds of births and I trust birth. And for me, trust is also respect. Trust and respect go together. And so I respect that that birth is amazing and wild and passionate and incredible and transforming. And it can also turn to the shit really quickly. Around the country, from what we understand, there are at least eight doulas under investigation by the National Health Regulator for allegedly providing medical advice without a qualification. Two of those eight investigations involved the deaths of babies. I want to talk to the doulas who attended the free births we've uncovered. So I hit the phone. None will give an on-record interview. So I look for their trainers. One of them offers weekend intensives for around $4,000 and encourages students to attend free births off the back of it. She's not up for an interview either. I reach out to one of the most vocal online prophets for the free birth movement. She's in the same online community in Queensland as the other doulas we've contacted. She ignores our messages. So when I'm on the ground in Brisbane, I drop in on her. So while we've been doing this investigation into free birth doulas, this one particular name just keeps coming up. Um, She has an enormously influential presence online uh, with this particular community and is quite... uh, vitriolic towards the medical system. She describes um, medical interventions in hospital as uh, forms of torture and abuse, systemic abuse sanctioned by the medical system. The concerns that are being raised with us is that she's putting all of that fear onto the women that she deals with to such an extent that they are terrified to even attend hospital after they've had a free birth if they've got a birth injury. She's not home, so I leave a note with my details. The birthkeeper responds with what appears to be a public threat on Instagram. So Charlotte turned up at my home this morning, uninvited, unannounced. Kind of wish I'd been home. She sends me a text asking me not to contact the women she's supported in free birth and warns her Instagram followers not to engage with us. Just a heads up to all birth keepers who attend free births. There's an ABC journalist sniffing around for a story. I don't trust the media. The media are part of the system. And the system makes no money from those who choose to free birth. After the post, another free birth doula who had agreed to an interview pulls out. Others I've spoken to ask for assurances their names won't be tied to the story. We've kicked a hornet's nest. The us and them mentality, if it wasn't obvious already, is becoming palpable. And then this voice memo is sent around. Just an update with that journalist and just forward this message if you can. So she is going for a really big uh, anti-doula 
thing saying you guys caused stillbirth and she apparently has concrete evidence that you guys are giving medical advice. She tells free birth doulas to scrub their socials. So she's watching the social media very, very closely. But if I were you guys, uh, all of you, I would very, very much suggest um, sweeping through your social media or anyone you know who's kind of said anything that looks like they've said anything medical because she's going to push that angle. And as soon as that's out in the public, that is going to get the ombudsman involved. The voice memo's from Amelia Bart. She's the president of the Maternity Consumer Network, the country's leading advocacy group for birthing mothers. I'll give her a call to find out what prompted her to send it. It was more aimed at not taking part in this story you're doing because it's legally precarious for them, regardless if they're doing the right thing or not. The girls are complaining about your questioning or they think you have the wrong information or are taking things out of context. So I don't I encourage you, probably just don't do media. How many doulas came to you um, complaining about me? Oh, I got about five or six. And they didn't like that I'd, I was asking questions? Um, yeah, I think they didn't uh, trust your intentions. But what, but what does that mean? The planner was insinuated um, that um, you were trying to blame them for the birth outcomes some women had had. Um, and that, um, yeah, trying to portray free birth in a negative light. So Yeah, but if a baby dies um, in any other context, you usually talk to the people who are at the birth to see if it was preventable, and that's a valid process to ask questions of somebody who was at a birth that ended in a death. Yeah, that's fine. They just don't want to participate and don't like the intentions, and, um, and they asked for my opinion, and I gave it. But not everyone inside Amelia's network agrees with her. Its founder, Alicia Staines, says she doesn't endorse her president's memo. And she says she's had enough of the glorification of free birth online. Never have I seen in my 13 years of advocacy the babies dead that I have seen now. But also there's a reluctance to reflect or even acknowledge that this is happening. If it was anyone else attending a birth, that was getting paid for it, that had these outcomes, there would be a massive uproar. And I'm just not hearing it. And I find that really concerning as well. Why are all of a sudden the interests of attendees at birth put over the woman and baby? Ultimately, women have a right to birth where and how they choose. But a woman's choices are only as good as the advice she receives. For Ruby, the question of a doula's responsibility in a free birth is not clear-cut. I think as far as legal responsibility, a lot of them will be there to support women in their choices. So that's as far as they see it. And basically just leave everything up to the women to make their own decisions and to own their own decisions, no matter how that looks in the end. The doula in our story clearly states on her website that she's not there to make decisions for her clients, but rather to give information so they can make informed decisions. But Ruby still has questions about what happened on the night she sent through her advice. At what point do we say, this is negligence? It's hard to say. If if the advice was passed on and it was the woman's choice, no. If the advice was not passed on adequately, then absolutely. 
The mother at the centre of this story posted about her grief on Facebook five days after her baby died. We've chosen not to repeat what she wrote because she made it clear she didn't want to be involved in the story. So we can't ask her what happened. The Queensland Police Service and the state coroner are still investigating the baby's death. Police declined to comment, but have taken statements from the mother, the doula and the midwife. The Sunshine Coast University Hospital said in a statement that it won't comment on patients or matters before the coroner. In January, the free birth doula put up another post. She writes that midwives are making up false claims and reporters are looking for scapegoats. Doulas are quitting or refusing to attend free births because they're scared. Will women be forced into free birthing without the support of doulas? Will free birth itself be criminalised? Will they really take away this basic right from women? I don't know, but I do know this. I'm here now and I'm all in. If this program's raised concerns for you, there are support services available. Go to birthtrauma.org.au for a list of them or contact the Panda National Helpline on 1300 726 306 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Background Briefing's sound producers are Lila Schunner and Ingrid Wagner. Sound engineering by Russell Stapleton. Fact-checking by Benjamin Sveen. Production and research by Andy Burns and additional research by Ellie Bradfield. Our supervising producer is Mario Christodoulou. The executive producer is Fanu Falali. And I'm Charlotte King. You can subscribe to Background Briefing on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening.